There is no error with your audio outputs. Do not attempt to fix any sound issues. We are monitoring you with this device. We control your options and settings. We are transmitting through your internet connection, but our signal is actually entering your mind, sending electrical impulses into the very tissues of your brain. Try to stay calm. We've taken over your senses for the duration of this broadcast. You are helpless to resist. We have taken control for your own sake. There are things you must know. This is Paranoia Radio, hosted by Olaf Phillips and Ron Patton. And welcome to another amazing, splentacular episode of the Paranoia Podcast. I am Olaf Phillips. I am the publisher, owner, a writer, a researcher for Paranoia Magazine and affiliated Paranoia Stuff. Ron? Hey, I'm the editor-in-chief of Paranoia Magazine, former publisher of Paranoia, (laughs) and occasional writer for the magazine. And lifetime holder of, of a tattoo across your back that says... Paranoia, the conspiracy reader, TM. Hey, Ron, did I ever tell you that? Well, I sent you a picture, didn't I, of, of my, my Mickey Mouse ears? No, I never saw them. So, so years ago, I went to Disneyland. For a while, we were going to Disneyland quite often, yeah. once a year or so. And so one day, I got a, I got a brilliant idea. I said, you know what? I'm going to have some Mickey Mouse ears made for paranoia. So I go into the shop, right? Yeah, and they and I and I bought my little Mickey Mouse ears, the classic black Mickey Mouse ears, right? And obviously, I have one that says Olaf on it. Yep. But I wanted a paranoia one, so I tell the guy, "Hey, I want to get the embroidery done." And he goes, "Okay, well, what do you want it to say?" And you have to write it down on a piece of paper. So it, it says, "I write down paranoia." They, you know, the the conspiracy reader or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I hand it to the guy. He goes, "Is this a joke?" I'm like, "No, this isn't a joke." This is my magazine. I want to make him out here. It should say paranoia. The conspiracy reader. He goes, you're not, not, you're not fucking with me, right? And I'm like, no, I'm not fucking with you. I mean, they're not supposed to cuss. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not fucking with you. I said, I'll tell you what. I'll give you 20 bucks to do it. He goes, no, no, no. I can't take the money or I'll get fired. He's like, look, I'll do it. This is legit, right? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. He's like, you're not going to do something stupid with this. I'm like, no. I just want some goddamn Mickey Mouse ears that say paranoia. That's it. I'm totally legit. Look me up, paranoiamagazine.com. So I finally convinced this guy to make it. So I have Mickey Mouse ears. <coughs> it's resting. I have a little curio shelf thing. And it's it's in there with my membership for the, uh, the H.P. Lovecraft Historical Society. And my uh, Rudger Hauer signed uh, DVD set for Blade Runner. And, I, and my I have a script. Actually, you know what's funny? We were talking before we started the show about Bob Lazar. Yeah. So I have, from years ago, I have the script. I got it from Gene Huff, who was Bob Lazar's friend at the time. Yeah. I got the script from Gene Huff and from Bob Lazar um, for the movie, the S4 movie that they were trying to get made. I actually have the actual script. (coughs) I don't know how many of those there are, but I can't believe there are many. Right. 
but I, I have an actual copy of the the bottles are movie script. Bitchin. Yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. Full on bitchin. Um, I want to see a, uh, some photographic evidence of that paranoia Mickey Mouse hat, though. I will. You know what? I'm going. I have a photo of me wearing it somewhere. Okay. Maybe I'll just make another photo. Yeah. I, I will post it on the paranoia page, paranoia Facebook page. Yep. Nope. <laughs> it's legit. It's true. I, I have it. I anyway, I think I remember. I recall something years ago, but it was down when I was down in San Diego, and I was like all bummed out about life and shit. But uh, yep. I do recall it. I was trying to make you laugh. Thank you very much. It's okay. I have that power occasionally. Anyway, yeah. uh, big news. Um, I have the layout now for the next issue. It's the um, spring issue of Paranoia Magazine 2019. Yes, the spring issue of Paranoia Magazine. Um, I am, I've got to add some, a couple of last-minute things to it. Uh, we're putting in an ad for Phil, uh, Phil Lernus. Um, oh, good. For his... Yeah, for his movie, The Truth Is Out There. Oh, part um, two? Actually, part two? No, part one. No, part one. He's he's starting <laughs> work on part two. Hey, dude, he I'm was worried. Hey, he was working on part two back in 2013 at the first Paranoia Con. What the hell? I know. Why isn't he well, done with in it? The, in the intervening time, he made a movie called The Lady Killers, which is awesome. Okay, yeah, yeah, that. Um, Oh, and then he then he made a, a movie about um, that uh, presidential advisor of uh, Bush, Carl Rove. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was before Carl Carl Rove. I love you, or something. Yeah, yeah. That was about some stalker of C- Carl Rove. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And uh, well, anyway, Phil's going to be on next week. Great to tell us. About- yeah, to tell us about um, the truth is out there too, and I'm interested, especially because I'm in it. Yeah, I'm in it too. Supposedly, supposedly, yeah. we'll see if I survive the cutting process. Oh man, I can't wait. <laughs> the truth is out there, and Dean Haglin, former, he was in the X Files. He'll be in it. Yeah, the Lone Gunman. Yep. Yep. Absolutely, they have a really fun podcast. Yeah. The, actually, so, it's so very anyway. it's very witty, very cerebral, it and uh, it's just full of good stuff. Yeah, if you love movies, listen to Phil and Dean's podcast. It's pretty cool. It's it's called the Hollywood Chill Pack Hour, right? The Chill Pack Hollywood Hour. Oh, okay. I was off. Sorry. Well, it, you know what? If you go into your favorite search engine and type Chill Pack Hollywood Hour, it'll come up. Yep, it's a trip. They they have done an insane number of them, like hundreds of them. It's crazy. Right. Nuts. Okay, so tonight we have uh, we have Daniel on. Um, he's from an outfit called Canisense. I'll let Ron do the uh, do the lead up to that. Um, it's a very interesting uh, company. It, they do some very interesting stuff. So we're going to chit chat about that. Uh, Disclaimer, uh, paranoia as an entity, me included, um, does not endorse, uh, you know, any kind of buying of pot or anything. If you want to do pot, that's your deal. Um, but we're, we don't endorse it because in some places it's not legal. So if it's not legal where you live, 
don't do it. That being said, uh, there are places like where I live or where Ron lives where it is legal, and that's your own choice as an adult. There is some interesting stuff um, coming out now about um, about CBD and, and uh, you know the effects of of um, medical marijuana, which I think is very interesting, and that's really what I want to get into. And I think he's this is the right guy to have it with. And the effects of big pharma, I think we've seen some very interesting movements in big pharma uh, where they're trying to capitalize on it. In fact, I think even the cigarette companies have started to do trademarking and and uh, product research since cigarettes is a dying industry. So I think they're trying to get into it too uh, on a mass scale. So, you know, it'll be a very interesting conversation. Just for, for paranoia, we don't endorse any kind of me- medical, medicinal use of anything. And uh, I just needed to say that because, you know, we live in a litigious society. I wish we didn't, but we do. Okay, Ron, go for it. I'd like to introduce to you Daniel Lewis Crumpton. He's a philosopher. He's an author, writer, and spokesperson for Canisense, which is a very unique national cannabis collective. And uh, Daniel, welcome to another exciting, exhilarating episode of the Paranoia Podcast. It's been a long time coming, Ron. <laughs> Thanks for having me on the show, man. I appreciate that. Very welcome. No problem. Welcome. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, a lot of times, you know, the, the basically the big question is, it's like, okay, so you're involved with a cannabis collective. What's it all about? So in a nutshell, what's Canisense about? Well, first, uh, let me make my own disclaimer. <laughs> uh, you know, the past few shows that I've done for Canisense, people have asked me before the show, you know, what's your title? Or Now, what is exactly that you do? But, you know, honestly, Ron, you know this. Uh, whenever I come on to talk about Canisense, I actually talk as a member and as a patient, right? Right. Um, I'm talking from a place of just being an American um, who looks at cannabis as a medicine, who looks at the um, procurement and the usage of cannabis in a responsible type way. Um, I don't I don't advocate or encourage anybody to advocate the stigma of cannabis use as like a reefer madness, for example, or that it's a some type of a a drug air quotes. It's not a drug from where I come from. It's a it's an herb. It's a medicine that that's been given to us. It's thousands of years old, you know, so I look at it from that point of view. So when I whenever I come on to talk about cannabis, I talk about it as a person who one is spiritually inclined to use it as a part of my First Amendment, okay? Mm-hmm. Because, um, in my opinion, the Bill of Rights and the Constitution is a spiritual document. You know, it uh, it means something to me. Um, it requires something of me, and cannabis use is, is something that fits right in there. So, when whenever I come on to talk about cannabis, I'm talking as somebody who's benefited from the organization. Um, because as you could probably tell by the, the tinge of Southern in my accent, you know, I'm in the Bible Belt and right. the entire the entire treatment of cannabis in the Bible Belt is uh, it's atrocious. It is uh, it's like the Spanish Inquisition down here with cannabis. So um, Canisense has uh, been an organization that has allowed somebody like myself because you guys you are out west, man. 
Uh, yep. It's not that it's not that big of a deal out there anymore. No, it isn't. Okay. No, not at all. And I'm I'm over here near the the largest logistical air force base in the world, to my knowledge, and we have scores of guys coming back from you know overseas with post traumatic stress disorder, and right. uh, we know we know that horror story. They go down to the VA and they're given you know buckets of uh, of a. Uh, Things from big pharma that are going to do quite the opposite of what these guys need. Right. And if they're caught with a flower, with an herb, then you know there's some serious, uh, some stiff uh, penalties for procuring that herb down yeah. here. You know. So for me, for for somebody who's in the South, in in the middle of the Bible Belt, in you know a, an area that is very draconian when it comes to cannabis use, um, cannabis has been a godsend. It's been an absolute, like literally, it's been a lifesaver for me. So that's what I, where I speak from. Now, as my involvement with Canisense, uh, you, you know, got more influential, um, I started to understand the inner workings of it even more. But I still speak from that place of Canisense, came into my life and offered a solution for people like me in areas of this country um, that are like the area I'm in and provided an out and provided protection and provided uh, support. So that's where I speak from. So, Ron, your question was, what is Canisense, right? Yeah. All right. Essentially, I'll go through the Blitzkrieg because I've repeated this enough. I should be able to do this in automation. Canisense is a 501c3 mutual benefit uh, corporation or company. Um, it's based off of what we call the trifecta. Now, I will preface it with saying that, you know, all of us who are behind Canisense, some way or another, we come from the Ron Paul uh, liberty movement um, and the idea of getting back to the Constitution, um, cutting through all the red tape of legalese and all this stuff that you see in the mainstream media and these these politicians, which are it's more like, you know, professional wrestling or more than anything. You know, and, you know we we as America, Americans, we're lost at sea, man, especially after 9-11. It's like we don't even know where to go for, you know, a firm foundation. But the truth of the matter is, is that, you know, Ron Paul, thankfully, woke my generation back up and reignited our uh, desire to know what is America supposed to be about? Um, what is, you know, what does it mean to be from the land of the free and the home of the brave? What is that about? Are we, you know, have we just given a uh, lip service? It's just something to put on a T-shirt or, you know, something to, to do near, near closer to Super Bowl? Or is it something deeper? Um, the idea of liberty. Is it something more intrinsic within us, right? So that's the that is the starting point of Canisense. Freedom, liberty, and the the simplicity of the Bill of Rights. Mm-hmm. So does that does that make sense so far? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you had brought up sort of the like the Canisense trifecta. Mm-hmm. Can you elaborate on that a little bit more? Yeah, sure. The trifecta. Now, the tri most a lot of the people who are in need of medical cannabis, they may not be uh, as acclimated to liberty and freedom. It's kind of one of our side agendas to get people educated to freedom and liberty. Um, but we understand that not everyone who is in need of medical cannabis is able to break down the Constitution like we are. So we want to keep it simple for people to understand. Now we use what's called the trifecta. There's a lot more legal basis for how cannabis operates than the trifecta. But it's it's enough to get somebody in the door to get their medicine with the trifecta. And the trifecta is simply three pieces of interlocking um, legislation. And one is the Compassionate Use Act of 1996, which is a Cal- California law that says you go see a board-certified doctor to get a medical cannabis recommendation. You're immune from scrutiny from, from uh, the state um, for the most part. 
and uh, you can also form and develop uh, medical cannabis collectives. So that's a Compassionate Use Act of 1996. Um, so I'm here in Georgia, but I'm also a California medical cannabis patient. And so the, the idea is to, to get um, people who are in states that don't have a medical recommendation program or medical cannabis program to become California medical patients. And how we do that is through the Compassionate Use Act, then you want to connect it to um, the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare, um, which introduced us to telemedicine, which essentially states um, that a, a visit through the internet or online is a lawful visit. So if you visit a doctor via telemedicine, it's lawful as if you are there with the doctor. Does that make sense so far? Oh, yeah. Yep. Okay, so pretty simple so far. Yeah. Well, okay, so what we do is here in Georgia, when I was brought in, um, I, you know, took a look at the Compassionate Use Act, made sense to me. If I can get to a doctor in California and get a recommendation, I'm a lawful California patient. How Canisys did that for me is they, via telemedicine, connected me to a doctor there. I had my appointment. I got my recommendation. I'm in the state of Georgia. And so now what we do is we use the reciprocity clause in the Constitution which gives us full faith and credit to the judicial proceedings of any other state, even if your state's laws are different. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. So that in, yeah. that in a nutshell is the trifecta. So we try to keep it simple, which is get your recommendation and get your medicine and get well. Don't overcomplicate this. You know, don't overthink this. Um, typically, when somebody has a, a ton of objections to the Canisense model, to me, my first thought is, well, you don't really need the medicine. <laughs> people who need the medicine are apt to accept this method because it makes sense. Okay. It's people who don't necessarily need the medicine that object. Um, and I could go into why, but basically that is the trifecta in a nutshell. There's a lot of other uh, pieces of legislation that go into the Canisense model that we'll, we'll probably get into as this goes along, but that's the trifecta. And that's what's gotten thousands of Americans in all 50 states into the Canisense Collective. And once they are in the Canisense Collective, they're able to um, access our apothecary um, and they can either go by their doctor's treatment plan. For me, you know, I, I used to suffer from PTSD and I'm a recovered alcoholic. So mm -hmm. my treatment plan with this doctor was a little bit different from, you know, if you're going for, say, arthritis or cancer or what have you. But um, once you have your recommendation and you're in our collective, you have access to the apothecary. And you could select uh, the type of medicine that you want from the apothecary, be it flour or edibles or vapes or transdermal patches or, mm -hmm. you know, the sky's really the limit because you guys out west are doing some really cool stuff. Um, right. Really cool stuff. Yeah. And for a Georgia boy, it blew me away when I was able to, you know, to look at it and, and to be able to sample it. Um, right. And, you know, once you're in there and you, you make your donation for the, the suggested donation for the medicine of your choice is provided to you. Um, we haven't really had too many issues of uh, scrutiny from the state with any of our patients since 2015, which is when Canisense was established. Mm -hmm. um, but in the event that um, something were to happen to a member of our collective, we have what's called the Canisense Foundation. And um, what the Canisense Foundation, it, it's funded by donations from collective members monthly. And if you come under scrutiny from you know the state, if you're arrested for possession or whatever, transportation, and you're upcharged, um, if you are responsibly using your medicine, and, and I say this all the time, like if you rob a bank and you happen to be a member of Canisense and have medicine on you, we're probably not going to help you out. Right. Right. Um, if you are if you are responsibly using your medicine, which means if you have your medicine on you, which as a medical cannabis patient, you're allowed to do and you're 
pulled over and you're arrested and yada yada, we will actually assist you um, with any type of um, legal help that you need. Um, you know, it, it's a case by case thing. Sometimes people have already procured their own private attorneys and some people have gone with, um, you know, public defenders. But we step in and we act as a, as a voice and an advocate uh, on behalf of you as a medical patient with, you know, whatever agency is coming against you. So that's the Canisons Foundation. So that's another great thing, especially right. for somebody like myself in the South, who mm -hmm. is, you know, way more likely to get arrested than, say, you guys. Right. right. And the thing I noticed, too, about the Canisons Foundation is it's just not legal defense, but you have other parts of it like veterans needs, children needs, cancer research and uh, indigent needs. Can you elaborate on those? Yeah, man. Um, basically, what we do, I mean, is we have, yeah, all of those are charities that um, that donations into into the Kansas Collective go towards. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like veterans. Veterans are right. very near and dear to my heart. My dad was a veteran in two foreign wars, and he had, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder. Yep. And um, like my me, dad. yeah, and me being in a in a town with a lot of veterans and being an, an empathic person, a compassionate person, um, they really are given the shaft in our country, man. They really are, uh, and it breaks my heart. They really are. Um, sick. It is so sick, and you know, it's. Yeah. These these kid these kids for whatever reason or another you know they they signed up you know uh, they go over to quote unquote serve their country you know and and some messed up stuff happens and they come back and they're just not cared for at all they're not cared for uh, and that breaks my heart so the the fact that you know a portion of the Kansas Foundation goes towards veteran needs is something that's really cool and you get to choose too by the way. Like if you're a member of Canisense, you can make your uh, your monthly donations, and you get to pick from either either charity. You know the um, legal defense is one, the children's needs are another, the cancer research. But it's like we're we tr we're trying to look for areas where any donations that we get could assist in each of those departments. Um, so th that's another very cool aspect of Canisense is its, its charitable aspect. You know, right. this isn't. This is not like what some people, especially here in the South, they think you mentioned cannabis and they automatically think it's about getting high and all that good stuff. Right. It's like, that's not even it at all. This is about something so much more than that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there, there's like a real big misnomer about cannabis, marijuana, in regard to, you know, a lot of the um, health benefits to it. <clears throat> but not only that. There's also various types of, uh, I don't know, spiritual aspects to it as well that have been around for thousands of years. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, man. Um, there's an excellent book. I recommend it to everybody. Um, and Ron, you know, I'm a spiritual guy. I try to keep, yep. you know, um, I try to compartmentalize depending on the show that I'm on, what aspects I'm going to talk about. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Some shows, some shows you don't want to talk about reptilian shapeshifters. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, some shows it's conducive for me to talk about my spirituality, and some it's not. But right. um, there's a book I recommend for anybody called Cannabis and Spirituality, um, and it was edited by Stephen Gray. But it's a, a compilation of different um, authors on the topic of it. And you know, can, the cannabis plants it has a spirit to it. You know, um, I believe it's a feminine spirit. Um, it's a very motherly, very nurturing. Um, 
and it is a like the book says it's the gentle threshold Mm -hmm. between the material world and the spiritual world so whereas someone may try to embark in the metaphysical with like dmt the methyltryptamine or magic mushrooms or ayahuasca or peyote those things are like bungee cord leaps into the metaphysical sure right um cannabis is different cannabis gently allows you to slow down because that's really like the the inability to slow down is what has what's causing anxiety in our in the collective consciousness mm-hmm. um, especially in the internet age because you know when when I get one Skype you know three computers go off <laughs> and then there's text messages and emails and dings and chimes and we live in a culture of constant uh, constant distraction and it's it's my opinion that the uptick in ADHD or ADD is because of this uh, evolution of technology. Yes. It's, you know, um, Probably. You know, I mean, yeah, it's, it's your constant, your attention is constantly required somewhere. And the younger generation, like the millennials or whatever, now they're also conditioned to having instant access to you. And it keeps us in this state of fight or flight, of panic, you know. And very rarely do we ever shut our Wi-Fi off. You know, people, some, there are some people I know who would just, they could not function if they shut their Wi-Fi off for 24 hours. Oh, yeah. Right. And I'm not saying technology is bad. Don't get me wrong. But what I'm saying is that especially now while we're inundated with this technology, it's so important to connect to spirituality by being able to slow your mind down slow your thinking down, slow your body down sometimes, and go inside. Mm -hmm. Um, Every spiritual teacher that I'm aware of uh, talks about this principle of the kingdom of heaven is within you, right? And our society is not letting us do that anymore. It's always outside of us. Got to check Facebook, got to check Twitter, got to check this. Mm -hmm. And we're not accessing the kingdom of heaven. We're not finding the Buddha within anymore, except for those of us who use cannabis on a regular basis, in my opinion, for that purpose of being able to gently slow things down, right. go within, um, enter into a, a meditative state, even if we're moving, right? And when you're able to get into that um, vibration of timelessness, of right. uh, Kairos time, not Kronos time, then that is where you engage the spiritual realm. That is the gateway into it. And it's very subtle, you know. So for me, and I I don't really go by titles, but I identify mostly as a Gnostic, as a knower, someone Mm -hmm. who bases what they know off of firsthand experiential knowledge. And I know that for me, um, the gateway into those firsthand experiences in the metaphysical, which some would blow your mind, you know what I mean? Some still blow my mind. Um, Was through the gentle door of cannabis. So, and I've said this before, I said this like last week on Freeman, um, that cannabis, especially in this country, has been treated like Mary Magdalene. You know? Um, Uh know, She's been labeled a whore. You know, she's the the federal government and private companies like the the DuPonts and all that from, from way back when with the Marijuana Stamp Act. They wanted to make her out to be this, you know, nasty, filthy whore. I mean, even the name marijuana, like I, that's offensive to me. That word, I do not right. like that word. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and you know, it, I don't find it, um, I don't find it without relevance that around the time that like the Nag Hammadi libraries and the whole the 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 new gospels about Mary Magdalene and her actual role uh, are surfacing within this this our lifetime. Um, that now there is a revolution in this country happening with the cannabis plant. It's like they're almost connected, you would think, you know. Um, and come to find out, she's not the whore that we were led to believe. She's actually something quite more uh, useful for us and relevant for us and important for us. And so that's kind of the, if I were to take an archetype and put it on top of the cannabis spirit and the cannabis plant, that would be it, you know, that, that it's it's very... Magdalenian, that's a word. It is now. I said it. All words are made up according to Thor. So, pretty much. Pretty you much. know, there. It's interesting that you're pointing out the uh, the aspects of <clears throat> our minds racing constantly, and this notion of fight or flight. <clears throat> Years ago, um, actually, I think it was back in the '70s. That there's a futurist by the name of Alvin Toffler, and and he's written a many, many, many books on a lot of different kind of futurist things. But he wrote a book called Future Shock. Mm-hmm. And back in the 70s, you know, Toffler, I think it was in the 70s. Yes, it was. In the 70s, uh, yeah, Toffler actually outlined this this problem as a, as a coming problem. And I, I think, you know, when I was a kid, <clears throat> the Internet didn't exist. It was a command and control communication system for ICBMs. And by the time I got into high school, you know, there were, it was emerging as a, with universities and other people and, you know, and, and now it's the internet of everything, you know, where you have, you know, your, you know, your microwave is plugged into the internet, your refrigerator is plugged into the internet. You can wake up in the morning and go, Alexa, tell me what weather's like and it'll tell you. So, you know, we've, we've, we've kind of gone down the rabbit hole of this this technological, you know, um, technocratic society that we're creating, Mm. you know, and I do my, I do my part, you know, I'm an engineer, so I do my part to enable it, but, you know, it definitely, I think a lot of what Toffler was saying about it is right. In fact, there's a movie, uh, they actually, you can find it on YouTube or whatever, but they actually made a movie about future shock that was, narrated by uh, Orson Welles and the mm-hmm. the very beginning of it is actually very fascinating um, because it you know just just the intro to the film kind of outlines pretty much what you're talking about that we've kind of put ourselves into a a form of PTSD mm-hmm. that that kind of culture enculturated um, you know you don't if you go to a war and you see bad things and it, it bothers your mind that just layers on top of the kind of collective PTSD that all these devices have caused for us, not to mention, you know, the fact that they're, they're running at frequencies that are beyond what we should probably be using, you know, in, in the search for uh, faster internet speed on our phone. You know, we had a, we had a guest on a couple podcasts back where, you know, he was talking about that. They were effectively microwaving ourselves and, you know, so, yeah, I mean, I, I get it. I get what you're saying. I think it's definitely a problem. It is a problem. And, um, you know, the whole idea of the smart grid, and uh, I, I know, I mean, just from firsthand experience, I know that it, like uh, where I live, um, I can see a significant 
uptick whenever they started putting the uh, smart meters in from the analog meters of people collectively losing their shit. Yeah. And, you know, and of course, you know, the, the conspiracy theories, quote unquote, conspiracy theories around smart meters are just they're all out there. But there's got to be some type of a sign. You know, I'm, not, I'm of the opinion that every no matter how far fetched something is, the root of it's in the truth somewhere. Right. So they're they're. When I'm when my own eyes, when I'm seeing a correlation of people that I know or have known for years that were for the most part pretty balanced, and then the last smart meter goes on the last home in this town, and I start to watch people lose it. I mean, and I'm talking about just flip their lid and utter insanity, and I have to go, what's causing that? Why is that? Right. You know, we're interacting with this uh, our uh technological bodies are our mechanical bodies our bodies are technology you know it's it's a different type of technology but it's technology and it's interacting with this technology that we're developing or is developing itself depending on you know your point of view um it is a symbiotic relationship that we have with technology and um you know what i started to notice like while the smart grid was going up was that um, the people who were more susceptible to panic attacks and, you know, bipolar and um, being committed for seeing things, hearing things, you know, just doing insane things. The, the, the significant difference that I could tell was that they weren't meditative. Like they, they did not have a space in their life for meditation, for stillness, for silence. Um, typically, and where I live, it's so weird. We live in like the crystal meth capital of the world, so I don't understand that. So like the biggest thing out there that is a synthetic escape or a synthetic doorway to quote the metaphysical is this crystal meth which in my opinion is is specifically designed to alter the pineal or pineal gland pronunciation nazis out there um it's designed to do something to that to send these people to a certain frequency to behave in a certain way oh yeah and those of us who are more spiritually minded when the smart grid went up because um, you're always on levels of spirituality. You're always on a different rung than somebody else. You know what I mean? Nobody's above or below, you know, in that sense. But we're all at a certain state of evolution. Some of us are just getting into meditation and, you know, mandalas and crystals and yoga and all that stuff. And some of us have been in it for a while. But the difference that I saw was that those who were extremely affected were not even start that they weren't really grounded in any type of a spiritual path and the ones who were least affected or not affected at all were those who did take time to incorporate spirituality within everything and typically what that looks like physiologically is a more alkalinized body and i think that's significant very significant um and i have my theories about it you know, my theories, you know, if you and I, I weave in and out of everyone's material, I'll go from David Icke to Nassim Haramine to, you know, Clyde Lewis to, you know, and I'm not attached to anyone's uh, particular church, if that makes right, sense. Right. Um, sure. But, you know, we're all walking each other home. So we're all jigsaw puzzle pieces to this. You know, it's going to take all of us who are, are waking up to put this this together and uh, from what i personally can look at it's that you know if there is some nefarious wizard of oz behind a curtain behind the smart grid that's pushing buttons 
what in my mind's eye is happening is that they're tapping into the lower chakras or lower ganglion nerves for people who don't believe in chakras, you know, mm-hmm. o- open up Gray's, you know, Gray's Anatomy or Stedman's Medical Dictionary. And if you don't like the word chakra, you know, look up ganglion nerve. You'd be all right. You'd be all right. Okay. Um, but it seems like if there is a nefarious person or a Wizard of Oz, it's tapping into the lower chakras of people who are heavily acidified and a lot of acid. A lot of meat eating, a lot of, you know, uh, energy drinks, just a lot of acidity. Mm-hmm. And um, it's my opinion that, you know, doorways open both ways, right? So if this nefarious wizard of Oz, this Illuminati or whatever, if you want to go there, um, is doing such a thing and that doorway is open, what happens when those of us who are alkalinized, who are accustomed to, to stillness, to meditation, to mindfulness, what if we actually start hacking into the smart grid and affecting change on, you know, the collective consciousness. Is it possible? Hmm. Hmm. Maybe, you know, and um, what I do know is that uh, from a lot of studies out there that the federal government doesn't like to look at, um, cannabis is a critical component in alkalinizing the body. So um, it all comes to bear. You know, it's all interconnected. Um, Am I rambling? Am I rambling, Ron? Well, no. You're doing good. And I have a question regarding uh, cannabidiol or cannabinoids Mm -hmm. in relation to uh, our brain chemistry. And hasn't there been, like, recent studies that show that our brain chemistry is very much in sync with that type of uh, uh, cannabinol? Uh, yeah, I mean, and this is this is another aspect of, of coming at, at Canisense from a, a liberty-minded thing, okay? Um, it's like this, and this is just the way that I look at it. And I'm not an, an attorney. I'm not giving any legal advice. I'm not a doctor. I'm not giving any medical advice. The only thing I can do is talk to people as an American that can read English right. and, and tell you what I think. And what I think is that um, as an American, I have a right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And I know that um, Byers versus, I believe it's United States, I have to look up the case law, um, says that uh, the Constitution should be interpreted liberally and literally in, in favor of the designated, the, the, uh, the designated beneficiary, and that's you and that's me. And so what that means is um, whatever rights I can pull from life, liberty, or the pursuit of happiness is not up to the federal government or the state or whatever to interpret. It's up to me to interpret. And, um, you know, the... Supreme Court has said that um, that the courts or a judge must move in a timely fashion to protect and defend the civil liberties of an American. And so when I, I say all that to say, um, if I have lungs, if I'm born with lungs, that means that I require oxygen for life, a previously secured right. And so if Ron comes along and puts a pillow over my face and deprives me of oxygen, we call that murder. Yep. Okay. Um, the very fact that I have a stomach and lungs means that for me to live out with life, you know, to have to enjoy that procured right, I have to have access to that stuff. And if you deprive me, you're violating my rights. So if that's true, and now we're finding out that modern science is saying that we have an endocannabinoid system, we have receptors in our brain and in our nerve endings that not only know what to do with THC and CBD, but require it to function correctly then what that means is that the federal government and state governments 
are they're they're standing in the way it's attempted murder from my point of view because they're trying to restrict access to something i need to enjoy a previously secured right which is the right to life Hmm. so you know and and it's just as simple as that to me right you know our body needs it to function correctly Mm -hmm. and you know uh, marbury versus madison says that um you know it's one of the oldest supreme court cases and i rattled this stuff off as the blitzkrieg because to me it's just simple marbury versus madison 1808 case uh, i believe it's never going to overturn says that um you know the that the constitution is the supreme law of the land and if any inferior entity comes along and, and arbitrarily writes a piece of legislation a statute or an act that's contrary to the supreme law of the land it is null and void of law. It's a fiction of law. It has no power to be enforced, and the citizen has no obligation to obey it. Mm-hmm. Because clearly the founding fathers didn't intend to come up with a supreme law, which is the Constitution, only to be un- un- unended and upended by inferior legislation. Okay? So, I mean, does that make sense? Like, you, if, if the Constitution is the supreme law of the land— and all judges in every state are bound by it, which is what the Constitution says in the Supremacy Clause, um, then how can, say, the state of Georgia write any legislation that restricts me from getting access to a plant that, one, grants me my previously secured right of life, but also allows me my First Amendment, which is the usage of that sacred plant for my spiritual expression to divinity? How can they do that? Right. Well, well, well there's always the question of, state law versus federal law and what supersedes which so can you like comment on that yeah sure um and let me this isn't even i'm going to read you straight from um the constitution um article six um paragraph two this constitution and the laws of the united states which shall be made in pursuance thereof in all treaties made or which shall be made under the authority of the United States shall be the supreme law of the land and the judges in every state shall be bound thereby anything in the constitution or laws of any state to the contrary, notwithstanding. So that means that, okay, you have the, you have the United States constitution. It basically says here that it is the supreme law of the land. Okay. Well, if you come down to Georgia uh, and you uh, go to the devil went down to Georgia, uh, <laughs> yeah, throw that in there, buddy. I know. Yeah, yeah. You come, you come down to Georgia, and you go to say the local um, county, you know, or city hall, and you say, "Let me see your charter." You see your city charter. In that city, city charter, the what gives them the ability? Okay, it's their license that charter. What gives them the ability to levy taxes is that they uh, they're pledging allegiance to the supreme law of the land, which is the Constitution, right? Right. Okay, so let's flip this. If you go and get a driver's license, you know, and then you violate one of the terms of whatever, you know, the OCGA or whatever, they can revoke or suspend your license. Okay, so if a city has a city charter, they're collecting taxes, and that charter says that they basically acquiesce to the supremacy of the Constitution, but they're they're operating in a manner that contradicts the Constitution, then we as citizens um, not only can, but it's it's our due diligence to suspend their license to levy taxes. And that's where you would get something like a, a quo or on to, to dissolve a city whenever they're violating civil rights. But I'm kind of going around the lake. Um, essentially, Ron, um, 
you have a di- there's a difference between the law and what is lawful and legality and what right. is right. And I okay. think a lot of people get confused with mm-hmm. legality and lawfulness. Mm-hmm. Can you differentiate those two? Yeah, sure. Law is the Constitution, okay? And basically, law is very simple. It goes back to you know Magna Carta for one contract law, but law is um, if if there is no victim, there is no crime. If you think of it in those terms, there's even a flow chart that I think I put on the the uh, Canisons Facebook page where you know, to help you understand the difference between if you've broken a law. Um, a, the law is the law. The law the law is you know natural rights, okay? What is legal comes from statutes and acts, okay? And if you go and pick up Black's Law Dictionary, it tells you that statutes and acts are given the force of law by mutual consent, okay? So practically, how does that look? Um, practically, if I walk across a street and there is no signal or you know crosswalk, I'm sure that there is a statute or an act somewhere or a city ordinance, some dash and numbers and more dashes and more numbers – says you can't do that. And then a law enforcement officer, not a peace officer, but a law enforcement officer comes up to me and says, you just broke the law. That's illegal. What you did was illegal. You know, and I don't give my consent because I I (laughs) look at the... I don't consent. I go, well, excuse me, where's the victim? Who was hurt? Okay, who was hurt? So I haven't given him consent. Therefore, the statute, the act, or the city ordinance does not have the force of law. So, you know, and people are like, well, that's – you can't fight City Hall. Don't, you don't have to fight City Hall. You just, you know, put City Hall where it belongs, which is subservient to you. Stop consenting with City Hall right. all the time, you know. Um, and, it's, and that's just the way that I look at it, and that's the way that, that the Constitution kind of looks at it is – you know, um, if it's not – if you're not violating someone else's rights and the, the, the inferior entities come along and make – scribble all this, this stuff in order to, to write bill of attainders and milk you for money and, and, uh, and all of that because you violated number dash, number dash, number dash, how this system is, is perpetuated is, but, but is due to our ignorance. It really is. It's, mm-hmm. it, it's not a nasty, nefarious cabal, okay? The, the Illuminati or the forces that be that, that we perceive, all it is is our unconsciousness. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. The government is not an entity of – it's not sentient. It is the opposite of sentience. It is not gnosis. It's ignorance. Mm-hmm. And the way that you turn that around is us as the people become more knowledgeable. Right. You know. I got a little esoteric right there, didn't I? Well, no, that's okay. But it's kind of like, too, it was making me think about maritime law versus constitutional law and how law enforcement kind of utilizes maritime law more so. Is Mm -hmm. that true? Um, In my experience, (laughs) yeah, in my experience, um, it's it's whatever the captain says. And, uh, you know, there's all kinds of theories about... You know, if you go into a, an American court, you see the gold fringe, and that means you're under maritime law, mm-hmm. you know, and things like that. Um, th- and it is true. I mean, it is, it is the law of the sea. And judges in this country are doing horrific things to people. They're, they, let me tell you a story. Can I tell you a story? Sure. I love this story. This is a great story. Um, 
because of my political activism in the local town that I'm in, I am very well known by my local uh, police department. Um, and so that comes with, uh, you know, it comes with some pokes and prods occasionally. I can get arrested at the drop of any hat in this town. And that comes with the territory. I'm not telling anybody that freedom is easy. You know, I'm not saying it's, it's, you know, it's like you can twinkle your nose and make all this stuff go away. If you want to live in freedom and in liberty, it's, you're going to take some lumps, man. That's right. what, um, that's what being an American is supposed to be about anyway. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, being bold that way. But anyway, um, so uh, there was an event where I was at a public park 10 minutes after their stupid city ordinance said I shouldn't be there. That's a no, no. And so as a result of me not identifying myself because I'm not carrying papers on me when I'm walking in a park, um, of course, I was arrested for like obstruction of justice and all this other good stuff. Um, taken to jail, spent three days and three nights in, you know, a very small cell. I refused to book. I refused meals, you know, just doing my Gandhi thing, you know, um, wheeled in like Hannibal Lecter. Uh, and then it was, was literally for being at a park uh, 10 minutes after curfew or whatever it was. I'm wheeled into this detention center like Hannibal Lecter, which gave me the giggles. I thought it was great. It was like, so that's what this feels like. Um, but anyway, so after they released me, of course, you know, I had to go to court. Um, and at my arraignment, I'm standing there, you know, and there's a judge. This guy's been to law school, right? He's been to law school. He's a member of the bar. The British, he's got a British title of nobility, you know, and he's sitting up there and he's um, determining the, the fates of lives every day. And it's done on a whim. Go down to your local courthouse on cattle call day and watch how many people are there and how fast they process them. And then let it, let it sink for a minute. Go, the decisions that are coming from that guy up there in a dress with a hammer are affecting lives mm-hmm. and typically not for the good. So we have given the responsibility of, of what is right, what is wrong, the responsibility of what justice is supposed to be. We've passed off that responsibility to these people who go to law school, spend a lot of money, study, study, study. They get a card that says they're a member of the bar. And then they eventually become judges, and then we just trust that they know what the hell they're doing, right? Because right? we just don't know. You know, he's a bit, he must know, right? Um, he's been to school for it. So there I am. I'm in, a, I'm in court, and I'm being charged with, uh, you know, breaking a city ordinance. I think the fee is like $175, and um, – I'm in a room filled with people who are there for other citations and 90% of what you're going to hear, excuse me, 99% of what you're going to hear from these people is guilty or, you know, no contest and take a plea and pay my fine and get the hell out of here. Right. Um, And then Daniel Crompton comes up and says, not guilty. And I demand a jury trial. And you could hear a pin drop and like a record scratch, man. And the solicitor and the judge look at me and they're confused. Like they're legitimately confused that I just asked for, a, I demanded a jury trial, right? And they look at me and they go, we don't think that you get a jury trial, you know? And I, I said, excuse me, you know, and I pulled out my pocket constitution <laughs> and I had to show them the bill of rights that says in any controversy where the matter is over $20, you're guaranteed, guaranteed of a trial by jury. And right. I had I had a judge and a solicitor Look at this document and say, we have never seen that. <laughs> never seen that. Wow. You're and basically setting a precedent, right? 
I, I mean, I don't think so. I just think that I'm playing my part to resurrect an old ideal. Mm-hmm. I'm just, that's all that I think that I'm doing. I mean, when Benjamin Franklin was on the steps of the, of the Capitol, well, where, whatever building, um, that lady asked him, what have you given us? And he said, a republic, ma'am, if you can keep it. If you can keep it, you know. And, you know, the founding fathers were very intelligent, man. They knew that, the, that everything, there's nothing new under the sun and everything works on a cycle. And that the the freedoms and the liberties that that they were vehicles to allow this great nation and their prosperity, their posterity, that over time it would breed apathy, mm-hmm. and and people would become just lackadaisical in um, exercising their rights. They were aware of that, but they meticulously crafted this document to where you know you can't reach a point of no return. And dusting it off and rubbing it like a genie in a lamp and exercising your rights. Now, I will say you can get it to a point where it becomes extremely difficult, which we we are dangerously close to doing. But we haven't reached a point where we can't en masse pick the document up, stop asking for permission for privileges and live in our rights. And it's my opinion, you know, when one or one or two people do that you know they as the expression goes the uh the nail that sticks up gets the hammer okay well and this is another uh thing with canisense that i think is brilliant is mm-hmm. if you can preemptively amass strength in numbers of a lot of people who are peacefully um picking up their constitution understanding it not waiting for permission to engage in previously secured rights, just doing it, right? Just doing it. Yeah. Then that's when you enact change in this country and in this world, really. Um, so, uh, and I, I, your, your question was somewhere along the lines of uh, what differentiate between federal law and inferior law, and I went on a long... Well, well in, in state law, too, you know, there's like, uh, you were bringing up the... Uh, Canisense trifecta, mm-hmm. and included in that are, from what I read, it were a couple of uh, state type laws too, right? Affordable Care Act, and there was another one as well, right? The, the Compassionate Use Act. That's California. Yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, and that's that's to get people um, people to 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 understand a, a simple window. Mm-hmm. But this goes this goes much deeper. I mean. Um, for example, what is the big uh, what is the big idea with preventing people from getting cannabis? And it's this: the big elephant in the room is oh, it's a Schedule One, right? Right. Um, and is it though? But is it really? Is it really? Is it really a Schedule One? Because that's where all of these laws are based off of. Is you know, it's a Schedule One? You know. Okay. Well, let's look at it. Let's look at the the the, uh, the Controlled Substance Act. Um, in order for anything to be on the Schedule One, it has to have. Th- I, th- I think there are three requirements. I'm not really. I don't care about all three. I just care about the one that I can go after. And it's right. you want to. You want to picture this like a footstool with three legs. Okay. Mm-hmm. If you can knock out one leg, the footstool just it can't stand up anymore. So the the one requirement of a substance to be a Schedule One is that it has to have no known medical uses okay Mm -hmm. no known medical uses now the three of us we know that there has been plenty of research 
to prove unequivocally that it does have several medical uses. We, we the studies are there, but the, the the federal government acts like a little spoiled brat on the playground. You know, I'm going to take my toys and go home. We don't, we're, you know, you're not the boss of me. We're not going to look at all that research. That's the, the stance of the federal government. Like, well, yeah, but we don't. We haven't done any studies, right? Or whatever. So, all right, we'll we'll even play it their way. Um, unfortunately for the federal government, when you buy patents on different strains of cannabis for known medical uses, that means that you, the federal government, which is an octopus with several arms that make up our alphabet agencies, when one arm acknowledges that there are known medical uses by buying patents, you have admitted that it has known medical uses. And in 2017, April of 2017, the National Institute of Health.gov another tentacle of the federal government basically released a study and ron remind me to get you the link to that article at NAS. Oh, I appreciate that. yes yeah. please um they their studies like they openly admitted that uh cannabis has known medical uses such as uh you know kill, the killing of cancer cells um yes. you know anxiety and, and appetite and things like that so the federal agencies of the federal government have already admitted that it has known medical uses, okay? Now, as I've said before, picture this in your mind's eye. If you really expect that some secretary or clerk at the National Institute of Health.gov's building is going to mm-hmm. get on like a scooter or rollerblades or whatever her mode of transportation is and, you know, jam on over to the DEA and say, right. excuse me, guys, um, we're all a part of the same octopus here but our arm over here we admit that it has no medical uses and you guys still have cannabis as um, a schedule one do you think you could remove that if you think that's going to happen it's not okay so but does it just because the dea has not removed cannabis from a schedule one in their writings does it make all of this untrue yeah that well that's a really big question right well, I mean, I've already made my mind up. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, like uh, when Jeffrey Sessions was the attorney general, and uh, I guess within a few months ago, he was uh, terminated by President Trump. Tragedy. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, and he was like really full on in trying to reinstate a lot of the federal regulations. Uh, against marijuana as schedule one and uh i know that a lot of um, people who are in the cannabis industry were really uh upset with that about the possibilities but then you know trump uh trump dumped him basically and president trump has also talked about you know loosening up the the uh legal restrictions on cannabis and and the uh, legalization of cannabis and so what's the general feeling about that well let me on the other note let me make one more point about um excuse me about cannabis being um having known medical uses so um basically um if the requirement for a Schedule One is no known medical uses, but there are medical, there are known medical uses, and the federal government admits it, and any agency, mm-hmm. anybody behind a badge, 
uh, comes at you under the color of law and under the premise um, that cannabis is still a Schedule One, what you have is a fraud. Every action after that is based off of fraud. The definition of fraud is wrongful or criminal deception intended to result in financial or personal gain. Right. So every single moment that a person is arrested in this country for possession, use, whatever, distribution, cultivation of cannabis, every bit of that is fraudulent. And hmm. so, I mean, it's it's very simple. This is simple stuff. You know, and um, Yikwo versus Hopkins says that uh, the author and the source of the law is the people. Okay, mm -hmm. and what you have in the cannabis revolution that's going on is people who look at like the cannabis model, and then they start throwing up all these objections, and it's like, what are you waiting for? Are you waiting for you know somebody from the State Department to come down with like parachute at your front door mm. with a golden ticket like Willy Wonka that says you know, you know cannabis is lawful for you? No, dude, you're the you're the authority, you're the source and the author of the law. It becomes lawful when you say it becomes lawful as an American. Mm -hmm. Stop passing the buck, man. Right. Well, well, there's something that I've noticed, too, recently is I, I really don't hear much about dispensaries being shut down by the uh, ATF. Um, and so what do you what's the deal about that? Is, is there something to it? Oh, yeah. You know, and look. I don't like um, I'm not one of these guys in the liberty movement who are antagonistic against people who are behind a badge. Right. Um, I really, really empathize with these guys because, um, you know, they want to they want to they went into the to law enforcement mm -hmm. probably with good intentions. Right. And and they um, they get to, to police academy and they're not taught the principles of the oath. That they're going to take, which is to defend the Constitution from enemies, both foreign and domestic. They're just not taught, and they only know what they know. And what they know is that they're given, you know, um, all these statutes and acts to to go out there and enforce. And you know, so it, it it doesn't serve us or our goals to be assholes to them. Right. You know, it's it's you're not going to get anywhere with that. And I think that. You know, like whenever in my town, there are a lot of pol police officers who don't like me, but there are a lot of there are a lot of them who fist bump me. You know, if I'm ever in jail, I get equal, you know, looks down their noses at me as I do fist bumps from officers who, who whisper in my ear and go, keep it up. You know, right. keep it up, dude. because honestly, these guys, man, they know what it is. They know it's a flower. They know it's an herb. They know it's not any, you know, especially the guys in the DEA who have to deal with like crack cocaine. Yeah, and, meth and yeah. shit like that. Yeah. That's where and, all the real heavy-duty crimes come. But yeah. most people in law enforcement realize that, like, if somebody's smoking pot or ingesting yeah. it, uh, there's really no real big criminal intent that's going on. Yeah, and, and, and that's from a historical perspective, too. It's not just by what they think. It, it's just based on historical reality correct yeah and and these guys who are in law enforcement now they're like um you know if you remove the 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 drug war specifically yep. the war against cannabis 
um, it all it does is decrease their chances of getting killed in the line of duty yep. and increases the odds of them returning home to their family. Yes. You know, and that it, and they a lot of them realize it. A lot of them know that. And so, you know, it's just like the, a part of them is like, uh, I'm just doing my job. But uh, the, the human side of them and they are humans behind that badge is like, this is stupid. And a lot of the police officers who openly talk to me about it, they say, you know, if I kept somebody with cannabis in their car or whatever, I'll sprinkle it on the ground because there's probably a camera on me and just tell them, hey, keep it at the house. You yep. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And like with the Canisense Collective, you know, because we talk about responsible use, that's the case with our, our members. They right. keep it. They keep it in the house, man. They're not going out there showboating. Now, I'm a different creature because I like to provoke thought. But that's my job, mm-hmm. you know. Um but yeah, I, I think that, that when you have enough officers who are getting blown away, um, you know, they look at it and they go, man, it's not – that's just – you're increasing your odds of messing with – because typically you're going to find um, cannabis users – it may be somebody with PTSD that came back from overseas, and they probably have weapons. And if you bust in their door, you're probably going to trigger them, and bad shit's going to happen, man. Mm-hmm. You know, and all they're trying to do with that medicine is get better. That's all right. they're trying to do, man, to live productive and, and, and happy lives. And so, you know, I think that um, I think that a lot of them are starting to see that. You know, and there's a video on Facebook uh, that's been going viral about these two officers that went into a, ho- a hospital room. Have you seen Have you guys seen this? No, I haven't. No. Uh, yeah, it's it. There's a stage four cancer patient. Um he, he's terminal, and uh, he started live streaming on Facebook when t- when someone in the hospital or something called and said they smelled cannabis, um, and police officers are in the hospital room of a terminal cancer patient um, who is using medical cannabis, and they're searching through his bags in the hospital room for cannabis, and. You know, I can see it from both points of view. The guy, the cancer patient is obviously distraught because this is the way he's choosing to exit this world, you know. (laughs) And now you have these two officers who are rumbling through his bags. And even on their faces, they were like, hey, we're not going to arrest you. We're just going to cite you. And you can almost hear in their voice, we're just doing our job. You know, and the last time we heard that was, you know, Germany, right? And it's like, I get it, guys. You have a job and you have families, and so you're just doing your job. But Jesus, man, where is the humanity? Where is you know? You, we're not like we're doing you a favor, dude. We're not gonna we're not gonna put you in a cage. You're about to die. Now we're gonna do you a favor here. We're not gonna put you in a cage. We're just gonna rum, rummage through your shit, <laughs> you know. And then we'll give you a citation that you're you know you're not even gonna live long enough to 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 pay this fee. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I don't know. It's ridiculous to me over a plant, man. And and I got news for people, man. It's you're not if you're waiting for um, politicians and people who scribble legislation to fix the situation. You're gonna be waiting for a long time. And one way this situation's getting fixed, and that's each and every one of us just realizing that we already have a right to this. It's not complicated. We don't have to brand any of their laws unconstitutional we don't have to brand them in open court of law Mm -hmm. they just they if they contradict any 
one of our rights. They're already a nullity. And all we have to do is just act that way. <laughs> you know, the more of us, the better. Hence, can of sense. Got a whole bunch of people who understand these concepts, who operate in these concepts. And um, that's what, I mean, and that's that's the only way you're going to change it is, gotcha. you know. Well, you think, right? <laughs> it's a lot to think about. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, uh, and and even the idea of getting like a medical recommendation, like I, I understand the concept of that, but it's like um, you have Marbury versus Madison, Murdoch versus Pennsylvania, and Shuttlesworth versus Alabama. And when you put those three Supreme Court cases together, you know, you have Marbury, which says that anything contradictory of the Constitution is null and void of law. Uh, and the other two Supreme Court cases basically said that a state can't come along and arbitrarily issue a license or a fee for a previously secured right. Okay. And the third Supreme Court case says that if they do, okay, if the state comes along and issues a license or a fee for a previously secured right, the citizen can engage in the right with impunity. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the idea of like a fishing license or a marriage license has always boggled me. You know, it's not illegal to fish right. for, for food. You have a right to life. You got to eat. It's right. not it's not illegal to get married. You know, that's a that's a key component of your First Amendment. And so you're issuing licenses and fees for previously secured rights. And we engage in it and we do it. And I say, pick the hill that you want to die on. If you're not, you know, if you don't want to sit there and, and make a, a big crusade about not getting your driver's license or, or your marriage license, whatever. But, you know, have some backbone in some areas, you know. Mm-hmm. And and America has gotten, like, Americans, there's, a, there's an entitlement thing going on, man, where we're like, other people have to do this for us. No, that is not, the, that is not what America is about. Not at all. This is the country of, of um, independence, <laughs> You know, personal and individual sovereignty. Be responsible mm-hmm. yourself. Stop looking for an outside messiah or a savior. Right. Okay. It's you. And, yeah. you know, uh, I, it, it's just my opinion that, like, if you look, Ron and, and Olav, if you look at mm-hmm. periods in American uh, culture where we had great um, up upwells of um, spiritual uh, knowledge, it's always been associated with the cannabis movement. During the 60s and the 70s, man, look at that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that was kind of like a precursor. And now, more than ever, especially with technology, like what we were talking about um, earlier, um, now we have every single tool that we who are enlightened need to mm-hmm. not only enact change on a massive level, but an almost instantaneous level. Right. Right. Well, th- this appears to be sort of like what. Thomas Paine and Thomas Jefferson sort of echoed, you know, in terms of self-evident rights. And unfortunately, most Americans don't understand what the Constitution's about, it seems like. And not only that, because of that, they don't exercise their constitutional rights. So therefore, they, they succumb to sort of whatever the uh, law enforcement er interpretation is of what the law is about. Yeah. And through their ignorance, they give consent. Right. Yeah. And there's a, you know, the Roman maxim is let him who will be deceived, be deceived, you know? Gotcha. Um, So, 
you know, it is what it is. But um, yeah, Thomas Jefferson said in questions of power, then let no more be heard of confidence in man, but bind him down from mischief by the chains of the Constitution. You know, and I say this often um, and I, it, um, it, I don't really care how you interpret the text of the Bible or the archetype of Yeshua the Christ. Right. You know, it doesn't really matter. You know, allegories may not be historical, but that doesn't mean they're not true. Right. Mm-hmm. Parables may not be real, but they are. That doesn't negate that they're, they may be true. That they're not saying they're sure. not speaking true. There's usually an element of truth mm-hmm. or factuality to it. Right. And so when I look at the Bill of Rights, um, what I look at is the founding fathers developing a method to reverse the wrongs that occurred to the personage archetype or figure of Yeshua or Jesus, right? Um, you know, like the, the right to a fair trial. You know, in his instance, he's the, he's, right, the archetype says he, he who was out and he, had, he was sinless. This guy didn't do anything wrong, right? Right. And um, he wasn't given a fair trial. He was, you know, taken to a kangaroo court, you know. Um, he evoked his Fifth Amendment. You know, he didn't speak his entire trial. You know what I mean? The right to face his accusers, right? So the Bill of Rights is a direct answer or remedy. And in my imagination or my mind's eye, the Founding Fathers were like, you know, in a, in a nation filled with kings, <laughs> of sovereigns, kings and queens, right, who are, you know, as long as they're not hurting anybody else, they are the, their rights should be preserved like even like i forget what founding fathers said um justice be done may the heavens fall that it's better for you know however many guilty men to go free than one innocent man to be you know punished mm-hmm. right that's the concept and right. that's kind of where i get the idea that the, the bill of rights in the constitution is a spiritual document um is that it to me it looks like a remedy to um the false trial and execution of an innocent person. Right. And that, and that is us. Right. So I don't went off on another rabbit trail. Well, well, that's okay. But I mean, I kind of find it remarkable that Canisense hasn't really been shut down by the federal government since the, uh, since you guys actually got started. What in 2015, 2016, mm-hmm. Yeah, Canisys was started in 2015. I came along yeah. in early 2017, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's no reason for the, the federal government to, to move against Canisys. We're not doing anything wrong. You know, it's it's a, we're a medical cannabis collective. Donald yeah. Trump signed the right to try act in. Um, in my, from my point of view, everyone who needs cannabis for a medical reason is right. criminal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we have the right to try act. So I have PTSD and I'm a recovered alcoholic. Okay. Right. Um, if I don't have access to my medicine, my conditions are terminal. Yep. Okay. Um, people who suffer from depression, if that's not, ta- if that's not kept in check, that's terminal. Mm-hmm. Okay. So even if you want to take it to executive orders, Trump made it lawful. Now what? I mean, how, how many more pieces of logical legislation do i have to recite for people to go oh okay let me go check out canisense and get my medicine then right well well, it also all seems to be coming together in light of a lot of the the different states and passing legislation 
to either have it uh, legal on a recreational level or on a medical level. So I, I don't think it's going to go back backwards at all. It's just going to go forward. And eventually the whole country will be legalized for cannabis use. Well, okay. I mean, every, every, poll, every poll that they run shows the vast majority of Americans support its legalization. Mm-hmm. I have yet to see a poll that doesn't show that. Right. So they, you know, the people want it, but you know, the politicians do what politicians do. Yep. But, mm-hmm. but I think because now that Sessions is no longer the attorney general uh, and then Trump's uh, sort of advocacy of uh, reformed cannabis laws, I, I think there's uh, just going to be nothing but really good things uh, coming forth with um, future legislation well, for everybody being able to access cannabis. Well, Ron, okay, and, and you and I personally have talked about this before, but uh, for the sake of Olav and, and the audience, let me go over this. If, if you as an American, if you're passionate about this, mm-hmm. and you're kind of like, I'll just wait till it's legalized in my state. I'll let the politicians take care of it. Can I read you guys an example of what happens when government tries to move in the right direction. Can I do that? Sure, go for it. Okay. So I'm at um, pcom.edu, which is uh, medical cannabis laws in Georgia. Okay. Um, So I'm going to read this to you guys, and I'll commentate somewhere in there. But um, you guys are smart, so you'll see where I'm going. This is what happens when you let government deal with things you're passionate about, is what I'm about to read. Um. Georgia House Bill 1, HB 1, Haley's Hope Act, which was signed into law by Governor Nathan Deal. He's not a big fan of mine, by the way. Mm-hmm. On April 16, 2015, created the Low THC Oil Registry Program. Patients and families who register with the state can possess up to 20 ounces of cannabis oil. The intent of the law is to protect qualified patients and families from criminal prosecution, for possessing low, which is uh, less than 5% THC oil. So here's quiz time. What is the intent of this law, guys? Hmm. Well, it's to regulate it. Well, I mean, right here in the text, right here in the text, it says the intent of the law is to protect qualified patients. So now we have our premise of what government's trying to do with this law, right? Mm-hmm. Right. The in, the intent is to protect. Okay, so great. Okay, so great. Is and I, I have used this analogy as like getting a woman into bed. Okay, so all right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She's put the signals out. <laughs> there's a there's a house bill. All righty. Yeah, she's giving me the signals. Okay, so in all capital letters, it's big bold. It says what diseases or what disease states are covered by Georgia's medical marijuana law. Um. Here we are. Cancer at end stage or experiencing wasting illness, seizure disorders related to diagnosis of epilepsy or trauma related to head injury, ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, Parkinson's disease, multiple sclerosis, sickle cell disease, Crohn's disease, mitochondrial disease, AIDS, Alzheimer's, autism, epidermolosis, bullosa. Now, it's probably a terrible disorder, but I love that word. All right. Epi- epidermolosis, bullosa. It sounds like a hammer film. Anyway, peripheral neuropathy, Tourette syndrome, patients in hospice care. And Ron knows that I, that is a very sensitive topic for me. Um, 
So here we are. She's putting the signs out. There's a house bill. Here's the requirements. It's, it's things are heating up a little bit. The next big bold uh, question is, how do I obtain medical marijuana in Georgia? <laughs> okay. So the assumption here is that you can obtain it. To obtain medical marijuana in Georgia, you must apply for a low THC registry card. To get this card, the physician who's treating the patient submits the two forms, waiver form, uh, patient and physician sign, and physician certification form. Okay. Okay. So now there's a card. Okay. Now there are there are <coughs> qualifications that you have to meet, and then you can get the card. Great. We're heading towards the bedroom, right? All right. And the next big question is, who is eligible for a low THC registry card? An adult with one of the eligible diseases, a legal guardian, a parent of a legal guardian of a minor child. Okay, so we're getting closer to the bedroom, man. We're almost in the threshold. Big, bold question. Where do I get my low THC registry card? Glad you guys asked. A representative from Department of Public Health Vital Records will contact the patient to determine closest to the 18th select public health offices across the state to pick a card. This is a lot of detail, man. They're giving us a lot of detail to get this medical card, man. Great. Now we're in the bedroom, dude. Now we're in the bedroom. We are kicking our clothes off. Our shoes are in the corner. It's flying, bro. Here's the next bold question. How much does the low THC registry card cost? Okay. The fee is $25 per card. The fee is due when card is picked up. Uh, oh, man. Now she's on her back, baby. Oh, she's on that bed, bud. Okay. Next big bold question is how long is the card valid? Card is valid for two years from the date the card is issued. Oh, dude. We're about, it's about to be a home run, man. And the last big bold question, which is what we were gunning for. We got her in the bedroom. We got her clothes off. She's on the bed. She's on her back, bro. Where can I purchase medical cannabis products? The answer is... At this time, medical cannabis cannot be grown or distributed in Georgia. Low THC oil must be purchased out of state, which is challenging due to federal law. Federally, marijuana remains a Category 1 controlled substance. So let this sink in. This is what you get when you trust politicians and legislators. They create an entire medical registry program to get you a card, to take a fee from you. They give you requirements, and then they say, surprise, if mm -hmm. we catch you with THC in Georgia, you're going to jail. What is that? What is this? This is insanity, absolute insanity. And you mean to tell me that I'm sitting here, I'm an author from Warner Robins, Georgia with a GED. And you mean to tell me that the people who are running our state government let this pass with the with that verbiage? Right. This is what happens when you as an American are neglecting your duty to right. exercise your rights. And shame on you. If yep. you well, a lot of it has to do just with apathy and lethargy because people are too occupied with other things going on like with. Facebook or social media or, or whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. You know, I noticed a funny thing. I was watching CNN because I, I do own a TV and I do turn it on. I was watching CNN and I was watching the Wolf Blitzer show. And uh, it was like breaking news, breaking news, breaking news, breaking news. And this is crap that I've been hearing all day long and it's a breaking news, breaking news, breaking news. You know, I mean, we, we have 
manufactured, you know, things to manufactured fear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, that's how they keep you in check is manufactured fear. But they always yeah. give you something to worry about. Well, you know, supposedly we're going to have a deal with the North Koreans. Well, guess what? We don't. And they're prepping to launch another missile. So let's be afraid of that. Oh, you know, there's there's uh, protests in France. Let's be afraid of that. You know, this thing is flooding. Let's be afraid of that. You know, when I was a kid and, and I would watch the weather, you know, they had snowstorms in the east. They had snowstorms in the east. They had a polar vortex come up in the Midwest. They had a polar vortex came up in the Midwest. Now we're naming winter storms. You know, it, there's always something to be fearful about. So that's mm-hmm. that's how they do it. Mm-hmm. It's the control mechanism. It's fear. And yeah, it's it not CNN or Fox or MSNBC. You know, journalists are not the enemy. It's just we have this manufactured fear, you know, industry. So, you know, the they're all guilty of it in some way, shape, or form, you know. And, I mean, it's real. There's a flood over here or a tornado over there or, you know, something happened. But, you know, we need to get into it and, and oversaturate our minds with all this stuff to be fearful of. So that's how they control you. Yeah, it's how they keep you uh, galvanized. And, you know, 9-11 was, it was more than just, I mean, it was, it was a magic ritual. There's no doubt about that. But it, it traumatized uh, our consciousness as a country. And, you know, uh, we have been in fight or flight mode. I think we're coming out of it actually now. Like I, I actually, for the first time since 9-11, uh, I can see people kind of um, recovering from national shock of that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but or that's they're just desensitized. Was. I think there's a majority of uh, individuals that are just sort of desensitized because there's been so many different traumatic events that have occurred over the years mm-hmm. with mass shootings, etc. Yeah, I mean, and a lot of that's tied to big pharma. <laughs> you know, yeah, um, a lot of that's tied to big pharma, and um. You know, that's one of the things I knew, like whenever I started and, and thankfully, I, I, you know, I'm real grateful that I wasn't that big of a of a recreational cannabis user when I was a teenager or anything um, that gave me the opportunity to, you know, after life wounded me to approach it as a medicine. Um, yep. And I think it, it, if if it hadn't been for cannabis, I would not have been able to come to a place of not freaking out about those things like that's on the news or that's happening in social media or anything like that. Not to mention one of the best aspects of cannabis use is just humor, the ability to laugh, (laughs) the ability to laugh at it. Right. Um, Because that's, you know, um, I'll I'll tell you a a story, you know, Ron, you know, recently my mom uh, left, Uh, she passed away. And um, for somebody who, was dealing with with post-traumatic stress disorder prior to that it was obviously you know there was going to be some issues with that when my mom passed away uh in my care you know in hospice mm-hmm. care who by the way was a cannabis user until her last day and it allowed her to she was a member of cannabis um and she was not she was allowed to live with her in-state copd and leave this earth with dignity mm-hmm. you know with as little pain as possible with joy with you know, good food, good music, good laughter. You know what I mean? Canisense did that for me. That's right. why, you know, I speak from a very personal place with Canisense. But 
um, after that event, um, there is there was a good possibility for me to completely go bonkers. And Ron, you know that I came very close. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Very, very like severe sleep deprivation, and yeah, you also had people attacking you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, literally, literally. And, uh, yeah, yeah, because your trauma attracts that. Like your fear attracts the wolves and the vultures. Well, um, there's somebody who's very dear, near to my heart, who who recently came in. Who, um, when this, when we first engaged. Um, of course, the, uh, the the topic of my mother was still fresh in my mind, and the first thing that she did or allowed me to do was she cracked a joke about my dead mom, and I just it was so hilarious, it was so well timed the way that she did it, where normally anybody else would have been like awkward, but she just went with it, and it allowed me to laugh. And now I can't even think about my mom's passing and get sad anymore because it always gets back to that moment of a pattern interrupt of laughing about it, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I'm, that sounds a little morbid, but you know, Tony Robbins always says, he says one day, you know, the expression one day you'll look and look back and laugh. What's the holdup? Yeah. <laughs> Do it now, you know, and, and yeah. interrupt, interrupt the psychological patterns of fear and trauma, you know, laugh, laugh, man, we, we need to, we need to laugh man. we need to keep laughing. And that's a benefit of having Donald Trump in the White House. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and also watching Cinema Insomnia, correct? Insomnia. That's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. With Mr. So Lobo. Cinema Insomnia. With Mr. Lobo. Yeah. <laughs> Cinema Insomnia. Hey, dude. Uh, hey, Daniel, I'm going to turn you on to Mr. Lobo. Hey, oh, yeah. Cinema Insomnia. It's like I, a sci-fi channel that. on Roku. It mm-hmm. it is so hilarious. Oh, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, yeah. you'll dig OSI, it. OSI OSI seventy four. That's the Roku channel is OSI seventy four. Yeah, yeah, check it out. Yeah, will do. Yeah, send all that to me, Ron. I'm always looking. For I'll do it. Like, laughing in oh, cinema, man. <laughs> funny as shit. It's they're not just bad. They're not bad movies. They're just misunderstood. That's it. <laughs> <It's bad laughs> <laughs> story of my life <laughs> yeah, de- definitely uh tune into we didn't make very many of them but uh definitely when you're on the channel check out uh utopia fantastica well, yeah, really i'll send him that shit yeah, yeah ron ron ron's been trying to get me out west for a long time and into like uh you know all the the cool stuff that goes on out there that i'm hip to so it's like yeah you gotta come out to oregon dude oh so Olaf's come up a few times. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Well, yeah. it looks like it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, I'll be in Oregon pretty soon, bro. Uh, it seems right. like Oregon is calling me. Good. For a lot of different reasons. But, oh, yeah. But, yeah. Well, so, um, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, can of sense. So, there. <laughs> hey, what, what's the website? What, dude, tell oh. me, what's the website? Yeah, for anybody listening, like if you if you know if you need medical cannabis, let's let, let me get serious here. Let me get into the commercial. This is a commercial, you know. Uh, but no, this is Fair this enough. is a public service announcement, really. Um, if you need medical cannabis, or you know, there's anybody in your life that needs it or could benefit from it, um, and you just want to get pointed in the right direction, the website is new.canasense.com. Um, if you put canasense.com in a search engine, it'll 
it'll take you to a link to get to new.canasense, but you can you can find us there. Um, you will find education pages there. You'll find our legal structure there. You'll find our charities there. You'll find everything that you need to know to get started. Um, this interview will probably end up on the education page, uh, as a matter of fact, but um, you can find us there. You can reach us, uh, a patient support member, at 1-833-633-4208 during California business hours. Um, and, of course, the Facebook page uh, is, you know, Canisense Total Wellness. Uh, the YouTube channel is Canisense Total Wellness. Um, through any of those mediums, there are little bells or whistles or contact forms where you can get a hold of somebody and um, you don't have to memorize everything that I said tonight. Yeah. Just get a hold of somebody and say, hey, I heard this crazy Georgia boy talking about how to get medical cannabis in my state, how I need help to do this. And what we'll do is we'll connect you to a sponsor, um, which is another awesome aspect of CannaSense. Um, we'll connect you to a sponsor who will guide you through the steps of getting a medical recommendation via telemedicine. Lawfully. Lawfully uploading your documentation to the website so that we can verify it and um, you can join our collective and once that's done we give you access to our apothecary it's not a store it's not a dispensary it's an apothecary um, our medicine is we're adding to our inventory every week um, but our medicine ranges from flowers there's and i'm going to shamelessly plug it there's a strain named after me <laughs> uh, <laughs> which is so humbling and uh there's What's a strange it called? What's it called, dude? DLC, my initials. So. Is it like a hybrid, or is it like sativa or indica or what? It's it's an indica hybrid, but it's not. When when I got it, when I got my first, I told them that I wanted something that helps people with anxiety and PTSD and things mm -hmm. like that. Um, and so they cultivated it, and what it it's an indica hybrid, but it's not going to give you couch lock. The DLC, uh, oh. what it does is. Uh, it's very, the, the intake is very smooth, has a taste of mango. They told me, they said, make sure you drink mango juice, you know, whenever you're using your medicine. About 45 minutes into it, like, at first you're like, eh, you know, it's, it's pretty euphoric. But 45 minutes into it, you parachute up. And in that place, every single creative idea that you've ever had, you just couldn't connect it, starts putting itself together. So I always tell people before, you, you know, for one, make sure you pick a day where you're not going to work and make sure you have a lot of like arts and crafts or something that creative that you were going to do. Like, I can't recommend anything better for artists, musicians, writers. Um, if you have to fix things up around your house, you know, get that. Well, we did sell out of it or, you know, it was completely like, gone. And yeah. then the the vendors they got a hold of me and they said we, we we have an emergency supply so we'll put them back in there <laughs> so i'm i'm partial i'm a little biased because it was Thank named you. after me but gotcha. give it a shot um the castle champion was named after my good friend neil neil castle uh -huh. uh, or neil castle neil schloss which is castle right. uh who is the the brainchild of can of sense this is right. his baby you know he's the one who in uh who really put this together and, and created um something to benefit Americans in so many different ways. It's really it was it's a really brilliant program that he put together. Um, and so there's a strain named after him, uh, Castle Champion, um, which is so epic. You know, uh, Castle Champion is like you're the king of the castle. You know what I mean? So it's like, right. and what that, what I experienced with that strain was um, <laughs> yeah, 
I, I abstain from my medicine for a few days to kind of get any other residuals of other strains out to, to sample it. And when I got Castle Champion, you'd have to know, Neil. <laughs> he's he's a programmer. You know, he thinks in, <laughs> in, he thinks in computer code and programming, yeah. and things like that. And he connects. Is he like in, in um, accounting or something? Uh, he's yeah he's very like the he's the numbers equivalent of me being a wordsmith gotcha okay um so me and him compliment one another great you know i can't do numbers for jack shit yeah but you know (laughs) so numbers right yeah but he thinks like a programmer so whenever i got a hold of castle champion and i uh uh, i you know took my medicine like just a few minutes later like (laughs) everything starts coming together like that pill from limitless you know what I mean? With Bradley Cooper. Yep. And it's it's like yep. really intense. It's an intense strain. And if you really like if, if you have writer's block, I would imagine, and you just need a massive flood of new ideas to be put together. Castle Champion is there's it's second to none, man. Second to none. Just keep you a notepad or several near you or tell Cortana, Cortana to take notes or something. Because you're going to get some ideas, and then later you're going to be like, what was that? <laughs> so document, you know. Uh, we just had another uh, uh, another strain come out that uh, you know, should be out today, right, Ron? The uh, Puma? Yes. Yeah. Perfect. Named after a team member. It's my it's my crusade that by the end of this year, uh, every member of Team Canisense gets a strain named after them because the team is awesome. You know, the people who work – who are behind Canisense or, you know, they are, I've, I've called uh, those guys like Knights of the Round Table. They're very, very noble and virtuous people. And I'm honored to even be counted in their ranks. And I said to Freeman last week, said, <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I said, I am not alone. I said, they, they will me out to say pretty words. That's what they do. But I am not alone. Um, uh, good old Freeman, I tell you. Yeah, Freeman's pretty cool. Yeah. Hey, Olaf, what do you think about tonight's show? I thought it was very interesting. Yeah. It's a lot lot to digest and think about. I know. But that's, you know, that's the point of the podcast. You know, we're we're trying to get different ideas out there and in a purely amateurish way uh, so that the listeners can be exposed to new new ideas and new thoughts and, you know, make their own decisions. There you go, man. So I think I think we definitely succeeded in in that tonight. For sure, <laughs> most definitely, man. And uh, well, thank you, thank you for coming on. It was, it, like I said, it was definitely very interesting. You know, a lot of things that I hadn't thought about before. Thanks, man. That's my job. I appreciate you guys giving me the outlet. I'll buy my book. <laughs> yeah. What's, what's the we're, name we're going to actually uh, reprint his book, man, in Paranoia Publishing. So, okay, we've Let's already decided that. Like. In another realm, yeah, yeah. I'm l- looking at that, and of course, I'm, I just started the actual follow up. I finally, um, thanks to my super hot therapist, um, have been able to to break ground on the the sequel. The sequel, I don't like the word sequel, dude. Follow up. He's kind of like follow, a Philip Dick in a way, in a sense, but sort of like in this sci, yeah, sci-fi, religious, spiritual perspective yeah yeah dude maybe you're like the second coming of philip k dick i never thought of that until right now 
That's a, that's a real nice way of calling me a dick, dude. <laughs> maybe I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm, you know, maybe I'm tapping into, maybe I'm tapping into it. I'm just joshing you, but no, your your book was great though, and so that's why I told I told uh, Olaf I go, dude, we gotta we gotta publish this book, man. People are gonna dig this. Yeah, and with the right, uh, right. there's. Yeah, we'll talk about it because that's yeah. some, that's an area I certainly want to go. That's another into. show. That's yeah. another show. That's a different show. But yeah, Canisense. Well, uh, New.canisense.com, 1833-663-4208. Find us on Facebook, Total Canisense Total Wellness. Also on YouTube, Canisense Total Wellness. Coming to a state near you. We're already there. Surprise. Oh, dude, and we're on Twitter and Instagram as of today. Awesome. Awesome. I had I know nothing about either, so I will trust your better judgment, Mom. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I, I saw it with my own eyes. <laughs> that it must be true. Yeah, <laughs> it must be true. Well, that's that's another thrilling podcast. Uh, your your favorite amateur hour in a bit from the conspiracy guys of paranoia. Uh, an hour and a half, actually, to be precise. An hour and a half. Yeah. Yes. Sometimes we go over. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? That's anyway. that, that's the great thing about. The Paranoia Podcast. It's like an hour, hour and fifty minutes, an hour and thirty minutes. What the fuck? Who cares, right? Well, that's like how we. That's like how we publish a magazine. Yeah, three, maybe. maybe yeah, four. seventy-two pages, eighty-six, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> Why you like it? <laughs> All right. Well. <clears throat> yeah, I I think we better put this one to bed. So, Ron. Yeah. What do you think? To do the outro on. Well, all I can say is take good care and keep the faith. Amen. All right, everybody. (laughs) Be excellent to each other. Aloha and uh, good night. Thank you for listening to Paranoia Radio, hosted by Olaf Phillips and Ron Patton. Sponsored by Paranoia Magazine. Read it now. Paranoiamagazine.com Intro theme, The Guide, was composed by Scott Moon. ScottMoon.net Outro theme, Fighting Trousers, is by Professor Elemental. ProfessorElemental.com Voiceover written and performed by Mr. Lobo, host of Cinema Insomnia. Watch new episodes on OSI 74. Visit us at OSI74.com. We are resuming control. For now. <laughs> <laughs>